The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Welcome to it. Friday's here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. What a day in college football. Kind of used to this now if you're a Nebraska fan. Somebody else wants to join the party. Hello, Oregon. Hello, Washington. To the Big Ten, we'll discuss it, get plenty of reaction. How do you feel about it as a Nebraska fan? With the league uh, you joined 12 years ago, continuing to expand uh, out west. And the Pacific Northwest is in, as is the, uh, the, you know, Dexter used to live in Oregon. The TV character Dexter. The vigilante serial killer. And it's, it's really the awful remake, rebrand. Of Dexter, but hey, I, I I got sidetracked with with Oregon and and Dexter. But no, in all seriousness, what a party the Big Ten can uh, become and grow into. Numbers to get in today at 489-1240. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity dot com and uh, give us a shout on the stream with the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Some comments coming up from Coach Prime on expansion, Pete Thamel of ESPN, and yes, uh, Mr. Cowherd, the uh, the biggest Washington Husky fan there is, or used to be anyway, uh, some thoughts from him. We'll dive in with Jacob Padilla coming up. Uh, Jacob going to join us from Hale Varsity. Thoughts on the week that's been for Nebraska basketball. Uh, Bill Dolman with us, pride of Fairbury NBC Sports in hour two. He is, I know, chopping at the bit to talk expansion and why things shook out with the Pac-12 the way it did. Everyone doing mass exodus. Brady Altman's will uh, dive into Nebraska football. Big Ten taking their tour today on Nebraska as uh, they're checking out camp. And uh, we'll spend some time as the Pinnacle Bank Championship gets going Next week, uh, we'll have some fun and talk a little golf before we say goodbye with Brett Balk, Director of Sales with the Pinnacle Bank Championship, before we say goodbye. Brett chimes in. Big Ten Volleyball just got a whole lot tougher. Brennan, man, that's cool to see football on TV again last night, talking, of course, uh, with Hall of Fame game. <laughs> the Hall of Fame NFL game. Yep, football is back. It's around the corner. And let's... Uh, Reset. Thumbs up or down? Is this what you wanted? Is this who you like? Washington and Oregon. Are you going to be a accepting member of the Big Ten? At the right price is my answer. I don't believe the folks in Washington or Oregon are going to get full shares. I don't think they're going to get full shares for probably four years. Maybe things get reworked. Elijah, what was the Pac-12 Apple deal going to be with Apple having control? Doesn't Apple make 
30% or 30 cents on every dollar they download anyway. Their, their take home's 30%. So Apple was going to be controlling. Mm-hmm. They're right. They're streaming. I think you'd probably have to hit some streaming numbers to really make money if you're Oregon or Washington. And they said, no, sorry, we're good. Why did this take so long? Because you don't want to look like the bad guy. You absolutely don't want to look like the bad guy if you're the Big Ten. And you wanted Oregon and Washington to wait for things to blow up, which they did with the Pac-12 and their media rights negotiation. Today came and passed. And that $20 million, even if you're getting a fraction of $70 million, say you're getting half. Say you're getting two-thirds. Say you're getting 25%, whatever the percentage is, it's, you're still going to make more by several million going to the Big Ten as partial member. Airfare, I know it's going to be nuts, but you at least got some dance partners with USC and UCLA. Yeah. And this is juicy because Nebraska has history with Washington. They don't have a ton of history with Oregon, but it's not been that long ago Nebraska did the home-and-home with the Ducks. And I hope to see more Nebraska out on the West Coast. I think it could be really good for Nebraska, not forgetting the Penn States or the Ohio States or the Iowas or the Wisconsins of the world. But 2024 is going to be incredible. Uh, rip up what's on the wall in ink with that projected schedule we talked about just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And is this good for the game? There's a lot of people out there bemoaning this, saying it's bad for the game. There's a lot of people out there who thought adding the AFL to the NFL back in the day was going to be bad for the game as well. Well, that's not true. It turned out to be a billion-dollar money printer. Exactly. It's, it's hard to tell. It's going to be easier to tell with the benefit of hindsight. All I know is that the Big Ten is going to be able to absolutely rake in TV dollars, and where more dollars come, you can turn around, add more promotion, add more talent, whatever you want to do. That's going to be good for the Big Ten as a whole. When we even get down to the, the nitty-gritty of it, why does it make sense for the Big Ten to add Oregon and Washington, as you kind of laid out, and as we kind of talked about earlier in the week on this show, you can control all four time slots of the major TV networks. It is awesome. You're not going to have a bad Big Ten. You might have a bad game, but on its face, you're not going to have a bad matchup. You have so many helmet game opportunities now, not just three, but four times a Saturday, 12 times a year and you could even get a little funky if you want to go into pods elijah oh yeah you couldn't you can and, and you can conference title game you can go maker. you can go with your afc nfc championship before your super bowl you could have a, a, a two more revenue streams with conference semi-final championships and are you done yet if you're the big 10 20 20 is the not, number if not 24 is the number 18s in the, a weird sticking point. I think you look at either pods of five or six, four of them, as you kind of laid out in the long run. And then if you have those four pods, you said conference title game, that's not just a one-off game anymore. No, you're, you're fighting to get into the it. You've always before that you're playing another pod. The champion of one pod is playing the champion of another pod because it's, you know, teams of six in a 2014 mm-hmm. conference. Let's say the, the champion of that pod. Cause you play all the other teams goes on and takes on the winner of, let's say it's the Northwest pod against the Southwest pod. Winner of that goes on and plays in the Big Ten title game. You can make more money off the Big Ten title game. You have a premier 11 a.m. game. We're going Central Time here. Mm -hmm. You have a premier 11 a.m. game. You have a premier 2.30 game. 
you have a premier six or seven o'clock game, and then you have a pre- premier nine or ten o'clock game. The entire day, as you laid out, there might be bad games during that day, but there's not going to be a bad Saturday of college football. It's going to draw you in. Yes. You're going to have it streaming at your tailgate. You're going to keep an eye on the West Coast because now you, you kind of have to. Crew chimes in with teams like Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Does that put more pressure on Rule to turn things around quicker? I think Nebraska and other teams will get more talent out of this. Crew, I don't disagree. Uh, you've always recruited California if you're Nebraska. You'll continue to do that, but you'll be able to showcase yourself beyond what had been the Holiday Bowl or the trip to UCLA, or the trip to Oregon, or the trip to Washington. You're going to be out twice a year, before theoretically, or you're going to be playing one of those West Coast schools, theoretically, twice a year, I would think. Mm-hmm. You're going to get some form of fashion of that. And, and now you're, you're, you're square in the middle now. You're centrally located, if you're Nebraska. You're the middle of the league now. You're not all by your lonesome out on an island. But no, this is this is good. Does it put more pressure? It it just makes it harder. But it was always going to be difficult uh, if you're Nebraska to to respond and rebound. But that's why you take the job if you're Matt Rule. He's laid that out there. He likes the challenge. He's done it before. Uh, adding these schools just does not say off week. And there's been no off week in the Big Ten anyway. Whether they're Talking Rutgers, that was a one-point win a year ago for Nebraska. You're talking Illinois, they've climbed up. No, you're just going to have to be ultra-competitive, be true to yourself, have a different approach, as in what fits us, how do you win, and can you develop. And that's, that's going to be how Nebraska gets back to being competitive and good. The tougher football team with an identity, with a defense, and with a head coach that is going to be an asset on the sideline. And, of course, your quarterback play. Now, it's fun. It's no fun if you're an offensive coordinator of Kalen DeBoer's drawing up plays. It's not fun if you've got to try and double cover whoever USC's next phenom is outlined up at at wide receiver. It's not going to be fun whenever you get the eventual expansion of your your conference slate. It's not going to stay at nine. I know the SEC is still at eight, but with 18, 20, maybe 24 teams in a conference, you can't stay at nine conference games. No, I think you go to 10, you have your warm-up act, you have your not even a cross division. If you want to play a Big 12 or an ACC or an SEC opponent, keep that on, on your schedule potentially. Maybe, I, maybe a pundit, I don't know. I but think, you have 10 conference games. You have 10 name opponents every season. Four eight nine twelve forty numbers to get in, but no, is this good for the league? Absolutely. Is this great for college football? It's more chaos, and you've got to adapt or die to it. It's really that simple, and you don't turn them down if you're the Big Ten. You don't turn them down at the price you're getting them at. The last point here before we get to the phones is you can get back to 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 friend zone mode at least with ESPN because you can put together some Friday night or some Saturday night games strictly out on the west coast and again it's four time zones three time zones excuse me but it's four straight games it's gone from a triple header to a quadruple header 
Fox all the way through to ESPN, Pac-12 after dark. Big 10 now after dark, which I love. And uh, before we get to the phone lines, I have one more point to make here. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, how much is Oregon and Washington going to be making in this move? The Big Ten's number they have to hit is low. The, the, the Big 12, the best they can offer with their t- current deal, $31.6 million a year. And is that going to be possible once you've added Colorado to give everybody that full share? Maybe, probably not. $31.6 million is the number you have to beat with the Big 12. With the Pac-12, the estimates with their deal right now is between $20 and $25 million. <laughs> the, the number... Of subscribers. We can't give you 70, but we can give you 50 million. Get this. The number of subscribers Apple TV would have to pull in in order to get to that 30 million mark to match the Big 12 was one-tenth of the American population. Ah. I don't think... To watch Stanford and Cal. That's just... Because you're not there watching And it. that's not to be an Apple TV subscriber. That's to have the additional added package of the Pac-12. Mm. Or the Pac-8 or whatever it becomes. Like, I don't even think one-tenth of college football fans out there would pay for that package. So the future wasn't there in the Pac-12. The Big 12, your number was 30-ish million dollars. The Big 10 can offer a 50% rate, and that's still more than what the Big 12 can offer. By several, by, by 10 to $15 million. Exactly. Who's on the horn? we got Pete on the line. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for the call, bud. How are you doing? Good. Well, now that we've entered the college conference transfer portal, do you foresee eventually some of the teams within the conference – that ain't bringing in enough revenue being asked to leave the conference. Relegation. Do we go Premier League with teams not pulling their weight? I don't think you do because you've got some members of the Big Ten that have been there since day one. You've got some newbies that are going to be really good football programs coming in. You're asking about Nebraska. Does Nebraska get off the mat and start being competitive? Does Nebraska get back to the Nebraska Jim Delaney was getting or thought he was getting? It needs to, but you're not going to just discard. You'll keep adding. I guess if you look at it, what's driving this is money. Money is the most important thing. So everything is being driven by money. Mm -hmm. And so what what is going to hold up a conference from asking teams to leave the conference if they're not uh, bringing in enough revenue to the conference. They Well, it's it's equal revenue sharing, first of all. Each team gets gets the same amount of dollars. And that's what I wonder if it changes in the future. I wonder if the Big Ten starts saying, well, you're not pulling your share, so we're only going to give you a 75% next year. If you don't like it, leave. The Big Ten, their chancellors and presidents would not let that happen. They are all about everyone being treated equal and getting their fair share, whether you put butts in the seats or not. Nebraska has eyeballs and has a big-time brand. That's what they have at least lived on. Thanks for the phone call, Pete. Um, barring their their record. At least people are still watching, despite being under 500. And I think that changes this year with Nebraska and Matt Rule. Nebraska's positioned to be okay because of what they've hired in Matt Rule. That's the hope, and you've got the track record. Uh, We'll take some more calls, get to some emails, get Jacob Padilla's thoughts on a basketball perspective. Busy basketball week, but this is pretty nice. Jacob will weigh in also on volleyball, just what it does volleyball-wise with Washington and Oregon. Dana Altman, baby. Welcome back to Nebraska, Dana. Right? It's all right. I didn't even think about that. 
No, I, I, you know, it is good to see Dana. Well, who the hell is thinking of basketball on a day like today? Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the Big East was, unfortunately, as they were one league to die. (laughs) And uh, the first league to die was a Southwest Conference in 96. Pac-12 is going to be calling the Mountain West. And what happened? You know, you're going to see dominoes continue. Another historic day in college football. Not if, but when. Well, when happened with Oregon and Washington. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio as new neighbors into the Big Ten, Washington, Oregon. Jacob Padilla joins us from HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Padilla underscores, where you follow him. Jacob, a lot going on in the world of college football today, but just overall, uh, your thoughts and reaction. I think it's a good thing for Nebraska, and I think it's a good thing for the league to add two names and brands like both of these schools, and I think you're getting them at the right price. What say you? I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to comprehend at this point what it's actually going to look like. Um, I think kind of the, the rush to consolidation again, it's coming with all kinds of negatives, but that they're ultimately the people in charge are willing to put up because uh, it lands them more money in their pockets. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the point of college basketball or college football, college sports in general, um, it's so big and expansive the conferences uh, allow you to kind of absorb it in chunks and it uh, kind of has things self-contained into a little everybody. There's similar schedules. Everybody's playing similar teams year to year. So you get a a feel for, all right, a real conference champion. Um, Obviously the regional ties that plays into that. And I think the regionality is a huge part of um, college sports uh, and uh, the way that people consume it and follow it. Um, ultimately I don't think this is good for like the sport itself and just for fans enjoying, uh, the games and all that. But, um, I mean, if they determine it's, it's better for their, their pocketbooks and that's kind of what's ultimately going to drive it all, all the time. So we'll see what it ends up looking like in terms of how do they figure out these schedules? What does it, what added stress does it put on the, the the athletes, the ones that are having to go through the extra travel and like, how does, how does that all work? How do the logistics work out and kind of what impact does that have on the quality of the competitions, um, the health of the, the athletes and all that sort of thing. I think that's all stuff that they're like, eh, whatever, we'll figure that out later. Let's just go get the money now. So that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm not a fan of it, but obviously it's, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of where everything's going. And Jacob, I see this as a, a case of your traditional college football fan, the one who's been following Nebraska since the 70s or the 80s, or the people like me even who all my life have been a college football fan. Is it necessarily better for us? No, but I think whenever you look at the, the general football fan and the general sports enthusiast, I think it's better for them because you're adding, I mean, with four teams, we're going to call it USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, the matchups that that will produce on television, you're getting an extra probably 25 to 30 games that are going to be must-see on TV in any given season with the additions of those teams with who they're going to be playing against, the Ohio States, the Michigans, I mean, playing against each other still. It's adding more intrigue for your your more 
common, less hard no or sorry, a die hard fan, and it's going to open up the world of college football to them. And I think short term, what you're saying could be right, but I think long term, what it opens up with the added popularity it's going to bring to the sport of college football, I think it could be good in the long run in that way. Maybe, um, especially early on, kind of the novelty of it, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, it's just there's still only so many games you're going to play and uh, now you're spreading out the conference even more. So maybe some games that you were a fan of now, those happen less often. Uh, yeah. You replace them with a different kind of game potentially, but then you're also having to fit in uh, like Oregon playing Rutgers and like those sorts of games. So uh, it, it's kind of, it, it's giving you more of both, I guess, and just kind of shifting things around. It's not like you're adding more games on top of this. Uh, so it's gonna be those games are gonna be replacing other games. And sometimes they'll replace the ones that aren't as interesting, and other times they'll replace the ones that we we've been watching and fans of for years. So I think I don't know how dramatically different that'll make it. And again, like that's uh, you still get some of those kind of matchups in the non-conference. Like typically, a lot of teams have at least one good non-conference game a year, and the novelty of it I think is part of what makes those all the more exciting because these aren't teams that you're gonna see play every year. It's a uh, once you play a couple years, a home and home type of deal. Um, and then that that's it. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see kind of how, where all the dust settles and what that ultimately does and how it looks. I'm just having a tough time kind of comprehending again, kind of how it does change, like what you're talking about and um, what it ends up looking like with the schedules and how often we play teams in your conference. Do we go back to divisions because the, the, the conference has grown so big and, that makes the travel easier. How does that all play out? Um, obviously, we're still we're at the point now where I think things are just kind of cascading downhill. They're, everybody's making their moves, and then we'll have to see kind of what it looks like once everything's settled. Well, you're going to have incredible inventory options. You can put some dream matchups together every week. Oh, Jacob, I wanted to get your take on Dana Altman's brand of basketball that – We'll be coming to PBA hopefully someday soon. Also, the volleyball factor and how Coach Cook and Nebraska stand out with these additions. Because I know Oregon's a good volleyball program. Washington's always seems to be in the Final Four. UCLA and, and USC, I don't know that they're incredible, but they've been good. And there's been some recency where they've been talented as well. So touch on that for me. Yeah, <laughs> Definitely volleyball. Uh, it strengthens an already super strong conference. Again, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the schedules play out and what that does in terms of a chase for a conference title. In terms of, all right, are you going to be playing everybody once and that only gives you a few home-and-home uh, home matchups? Mm-hmm. And how do you determine what those home-and-homes are? Um, are you going to lose out on some of the Nebraska-Penn State twice a year uh, that that type of deal, like where that's going to happen less and less often, is, is that how it's going to play out? Like, there's still so many questions to be answered about what the product is actually going to look like. Because there's a reason uh, the conferences were the size that they were, just because logistically it made things so much easier for scheduling. Again, the regionality of it for for all sports um, and the limited numbers were. That's what thing I love about the the Big East basketball is the you play everybody. It's a true round robin where you get a chance to everybody plays everybody. Um, so it's easier to determine, all right, who really is the conference champion here. You went out and earned it playing the same teams that everybody else did for the most part. Um, so that that's 
you, you lose out on that aspect of it even more so as you continue to add. I mean, that started to slip away as they went from uh, 11 to 13, 14 to 16. Like as we continue to add, um, that that's kind of going away. And that's um, so we'll see kind of if the what you're talking about, Elijah, with the the added novelty, the the chance to, to get some other big matchups. Does that kind of offset that? We'll see how it ends up playing out. But um, in terms of volleyball, yeah, it's going to be even tougher, uh, even tougher league. They're going to be, um, again, especially with how, how the schedules play out. And you could uh, get a draw where maybe you don't play Rutgers and whoever else in a year if you don't play everybody or you get or maybe you get them twice uh, with, with the way the schedule plays out. Well, somebody else gets uh, Penn State twice or Wisconsin twice, like. Uh, it could end up having an impact on kind of conference title chases and who knows what the conference title will even mean long-term in terms of the the, the postseason. That's the other thing that we're moving towards. Okay, what does the consolidation of conferences mean for the NCAA tournament and and all that? Um, That's way down the road right now. We're still kind of, again, in the early uh, early stages of kind of the, 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 the chair shuffling here. But yeah, it's already the best the best volleyball conference in the country that is invested the most in that sport. And that puts that sport on the pedestal uh, on a pedestal more than others, uh, as evidenced by the big 10 media days, still the only conference that does it in year two. Now that uh, I attended with Aaron earlier this week, um, that's, that, that's the thing. Like, like you said, even uh, you, you see USC and UCLA, they're, they're not right now like powerhouses, but they are traditionally strong volleyball programs in areas that should be able to recruit well. Um, and you think added to the big 10, that might even help them jump up even more. Um, so it's four good volleyball programs joining already the best volleyball conference in the country. So they're going to be a ton, uh, a ton of good games, ton of good matchups. Um, we're already seeing the, the, uh, the rise in TV inventory every single year. Uh, we're seeing more and more games land on television. We're seeing now that for the first time ever, the big 10, is going to play, uh, have a volleyball game on a football Sunday, either depending on what your market is, either leading into an NFL game or coming out of an NFL game. Um, heck, I, I know uh, the, the Creighton-DePaul Christmas game, like the, the huge numbers that did uh, kind of back-to-back with the football there, what that does for, for numbers and viewership and um, for, for a sport. So they're kind of going for that same thing in volleyball now with Big Fox showing it. So. Um, yeah, volleyball is getting strong with this. Basketball, again, it's four, four good basketball. Well, Washington, uh, maybe not as much right now, but um, at least three good volleyball uh, or basketball programs. Obviously, Dane Altman, we'll see how much longer he's going to continue to coach out there, but he'll potentially get a chance to travel back here to Nebraska for, for a conference game. Um, obviously, we know UCLA has been on an absolute tear. USC has been good under Andy Enfield, so. Uh, yeah, it's two. It's it was already a very strong basketball and volleyball conference, and adding these teams will make it even stronger. Jacob, with the addition of these two teams in volleyball, are they gonna have to move media days to Indianapolis too? I mean, the basement of that hotel is looking pretty full. <laughs> yeah, uh, although um, it was nice that they kind of expanded. That they moved us downstairs after. Uh, if, you, if you saw last year, we were kind of in a conference call room, or it was a long tape, like the the players and coaches were sitting up at a table and then all the media members are packed into basically a conference table extending out the long way. And um, I know 
the TV, like, I don't know if the Big Ten wasn't expecting uh, Nebraska to send like four TV people, uh, but that's kind of how the Huskers roll. Uh, so I know they weren't super stoked about kind of the angles and uh, the logistics of trying to, to shoot in a room like that. So this year they moved it down kind of a uh, more wide open room. Uh, and I think it, it worked out well for them. So still a little bit more room in there. Um, and again, going in shifts, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Um, kind of, again, we'll see what, how it actually looks like, but yeah, Nebraska, Oregon, uh, we've seen them in the postseason. Now we'll see it in uh, the regulars, uh, regular season, Nebraska, UCLA, same thing. We've seen a non-conference match, uh, matchup in the previous years. Now that'll become more regular. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, definitely Nebraska is in a very good spot from a volleyball standpoint. Jacob, hang on tight. We won't keep you long uh, after this quick timeout. I want to get your thoughts on the week that's been for Nebraska basketball before we say goodbye with uh, Aaron Eulis and uh, Nebraska, of course, uh, across the pond in, in, uh, in Spain. Uh, reaction to what you've seen from the Big Red uh, on their international tour. Jacob Adilla stays with us. Hail Varsity on a Friday. And we're presented by Currency. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Expansion Day continues. Jacob Badilla still with us. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at Jacob Badilla underscore. We've hit volleyball, the effect on Nebraska. Football, yes. And now we've even touched uh, hoops with Dana making his way back hopefully and potentially to uh, to Nebraska, Oregon, and uh, the Big Red. So, Jacob, I want to get your thoughts on Nebraska basketball, their uh, trip to Spain, but also the situation that rose up with Aaron Euless this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the Aaron Euless situation certainly is not ideal. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out. Doesn't Doesn't sound good right now based on the initial charges and report. Um, we'll see how that resol- uh, resolves itself. Red Hoiberg said he hasn't gotten any indication of a timeline for that. Um, w- once they return, U.S. will continue to practice with the team uh, until they know um, his future for sure uh, and can go from there. But I think they're planning uh, as if they're not going to have him. So um, I don't know that they're going to go grab a, an- just any point guard just to add one. I think – we're at the point now where, I mean, to be honest, the U.S. was already pretty far down their, their list of targets based on what we, we saw. Um, they, 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 they struck out on a handful of the guys that they're going after to kind of fill out that, that backcourt spot. Um, so I, I think ultimately what this could mean is uh, a larger role for Jamarcus Lawrence, which isn't a bad thing. It comes with uh, pros and cons. I think – from what I've seen of him, I think he is better off the ball. I think that's how he would – if you want to play to his strengths, you, you play him at the two alongside another ball handler that can set him up, have him uh, spot up, run off screens, that type of thing. But he did sh- has shown he's capable of initiating offense, of running pick and roll, uh, and, and kind of being the point guard. So it's maybe not his ideal role, but already with Casey Tominaga, Bryce Williams, I expect him to be uh, a major part of this team. Uh, you're looking at either Lawrence starting at the point or coming off the bench, and he's a guy, a young guy in the program that you're excited about. So, uh, worst case scenario, if U.S. isn't available, it just means a larger role 
for uh, for Lawrence, which uh, again, kind of pros and cons of that, but it's uh, not not the worst situation in the world where you've got a young player that you'd like to get more minutes. Now this gives you the opportunity opportunity to to do that. Meanwhile, you kind of spread the ball handling op, uh, responsibilities around where Bryce Williams, you see him initiate some, run some pick and roll and um, bring the ball up the floor, get them into their sets. You know, obviously we saw last year how much of their offense they ran through their bigs. And I know Fred Hoiberg thinks that uh, Rink Mast and Josiah Alec can both kind of run some of the same sets that Derek Walker did as kind of a high post initiator, mm. um, that, that type of thing. Um, so I, I think it's going to be more, all right, initiate by committee if they don't have USA at point guard where um, you've got a lot of guys that kind of share the ball around. Could open the door for Ramel Lloyd, even Kale Jacobson, who's made the most of this trip uh, from what we've seen, um, to potentially kind of fill those minutes. You've got Sam Hoiberg, who, who played backcourt minutes last year. So um, you obviously never want to rely on walk-ons, but in this case, I think this is, isn't a typical situation where uh, Kale Jacobson did have uh, – mid low mid major offers um and chose to walk on it in nebraska instead um and sam hoiberg we saw him produce in the big 10 last year Mm -hmm. so um like those uh like if you have to get far down the depth chart like those are better options than you typically get in that situation so it's not ideal you'd rather have a guy that you recruited to play a role available but from what we're seeing from this trip overseas and um, what we've heard, what Hoiberg has talked about um, with the makeup of the roster, I think he feels okay, like they'll be able to survive if they don't have him available. Um, uh, and that just mean, that puts more on other guys that are going to have to step up. It kind of limits your or kind of smaller margin for error, but more opportunity for the other guys on the roster. It's Jacob Badilla with us here, Hail Varsity Radio. And Jacob, Let's uh, look at the the hardwood itself and what we've seen in Spain thus far this week. It's a big scoring week for Bryce Williams, but it should be noted a lot of Nebraska's uh, expected key contributors for next year not with the team right now. How much are you taking away from this overseas trip? Is there anything you can take away from what we've seen in the basketball court, or is this more about team bonding, getting this team together before the season actually gets underway? Well, considering we don't actually get to see it, (laughs) it's uh, it's hard to, to take too much. I mean, even if you do get to see it, there's only so much you can take away. It is positive to – you definitely want to see guys performing well as opposed to the, the opposite. So that's a good sign of seeing a guy like – not only just the points, obviously at 28 in the first game, but five rebounds and four assists in that game. In the second game, threes didn't go down for, for Bryce Williams, but he still finished with 16 points, um, handful of rebounds, handful of assists again. So kind of – making plays more than just scoring and showing off the versatility. So that's, I think, more so than, yeah, the point totals. That's what you like to see from him is, okay, he is a guy that can do multiple things for you, that you can uh, put the ball in his hands, and he can help with some of those ball handling responsibilities. Kind of same thing with Kel Jacobson, where he's getting out there and he's making big plays, and even if he's making mistakes, he's making up for them. And he's been a guy that's been out there in the closing lineup and has made big plays from what Ho- uh, Fred Hoiberg has said. Um, in both games, he was he came up in, in the clutch because these are both close games, and that's kind of the, the good thing. More than anything, with these games, is they're close, and these guys have in, have been put in a pressure situation where they have to execute if they want to win these games. And so far, they've done just that. So that I mean, that's probably the most valuable part of the on court experience is just being in those situations. All right, 
tie game, few minutes left, who's going to win? All right, overtime, who, who's going to make the plays here? Uh, all right, you're going to the line, down down one. Uh, can you at least get us one of these free throws to, to get this thing to overtime? And, and they've responded, and they found a way to pull out the win. So CJ Wilcher, uh, it's good to see him kind of putting up some, some numbers and obviously rebounding in addition to scoring points. Uh, that's with their undersized lineup there. You need those perimeter players to kind of pitch in there, and he's done that. I think he's got 18 rebounds in two games as a six-five guard, um, and so that and coming off the season he did, it's good for him to go out there and make an impact and hopefully build up some confidence coming back into um, a situation where, like, if if he can get that stroke back that he showed as uh, during his first year at Nebraska, he can still be an important piece for this team. You've got some minutes. You got. Uh, you assume Jamarcus Lawrence, Bryce Williams, Casey Tillman are all playing 30-plus minutes per game. Um, but I think those, the rest of those guard minutes are pretty wide open where Wilcher is the most experienced guy there. Um, can he grab on to, to most of those? And then where does that leave Jacobson and Ramel Lloyd and uh, Sam Hoiberg and some of those other guys here? So um, it, it's good to see some guys building some confidence and being able to execute in the clutch. So those are something they'll be able to take back with them. Jacob, overtime with us, buddy. Appreciate your your takes on volleyball, on hoops, on football, and uh, some Husker hoops talk as well. Uh, we'll get caught up again next week. Thanks so much. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it. There he is. Good stuff. We, we covered a lot. The football part, obvious, yes, but the volleyball impact, the basketball impact, the uh, data factor, I hope. I hope Dana coaches long enough to see Dana come back in that Oregon green or whatever the hell uniform they're wearing. (laughs) We'll get to more of your stream comments. Thoughts on Washington, Oregon, joining the neighborhood in the Big Ten. Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Check it out there. We'll get to see your Twitter comments at HVarsity Radio is where you follow the show on Twitter. Hour one, winding down Hail Varsity, presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Bill Dolman going to join us here in 10 minutes. Pride of Fairbury and NBC Sports. He has been at uh, spots in his career where there has been conference realignment. He has felt it and he loves playing AD because he should be an AD on top of the obvious talent. But uh, Bill Dolman joining us. Brady Altman's also get his take on the football effect from a recruiting standpoint and where Nebraska uh, needs to be by 2024 because that's a reality. Uh, it just makes the rule hire so much more important that it's right. It was that way anyway with USC and UCLA. It's that way anyway with Ohio State and where Nebraska's been in the current Big Ten. It's also a situation where you get stabilized so you're not absolutely the worst four teams, one of the worst four teams in the Big Ten. Think about what's in the league now. If you're top half, that was always kind of the goal for Nebraska basketball, figure out a way to be 8, 9, 10 and be on that bubble for hoops. Well, I think you've got a real shot at four to six playoff teams of that 12-team playoff right now as it stands. Uh, Moonbot nails it with his comment Uh, When it comes to the Big Ten and their intelligence, national brand, college football continues to grow popularity-wise, TV ratings-wise, Elijah, look, 
all the games and all the shows that are watched, that show is college football. That show is the NFL. And the SEC, on their grip on college football, stays regional. Well, you can put a lot of regions together and have a, a national appeal. Colin Cowherd checked in uh, earlier today and his thoughts on what the Big Ten has done. Just think of this top eight. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Washington, Wisconsin, UCLA, and Oregon. That's a really good top eight. That's big brands, some big cities, big stadiums, big money, big fan bases. And the key is three time zones. Start at noon on Fox, end at 1 a.m. on the East Coast, three time zones represented. As great as the SEC is, it'll cannibalize itself a lot of times with all these great games in two windows. You can have five Four or five different games, big brands, every window, the Big Ten. Washington, Oregon can play some night games. So can UCLA. You put USC up there against the Buckeyes, Badgers, Nittany Lions, Wolverines in the day and get a number. The SEC is just a great regional conference. The Big 12 and the ACC are tiny, irrelevant markets. And at this point, who knows what the Pac-12 is? I grew up with it. I love it. I'm over it. The world changes. Good old Colin, or as he likes to be known as Uncle Colin. But no, this this is, you think about pacing yourself. If you're a college football junkie and you start tailgating for that big noon kickoff, I mean, you're going to really have, from, from 9A to 1A, if you want to just go hard and catch your Big Ten fix on a Saturday where your where your your morning kickoff at eleven is gonna be Iowa, Wisconsin. Your two thirty game Well let's be clear, your morning kicks kickoffs at nine AM with a Bloody Mary. Sure. All right. <laughs> your, no water. Your your two thirty is gonna be Penn State, Ohio State. Your night game will be SC UCLA. Then your after dark, Washington v. Oregon. And I've left Nebraska out of the equation. You're checking in as a college football fan from Nebraska on all of those. Whether you got heat on them or not. Hour two coming up. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We kick off Hour 2 with... uh, Bill Dolman, pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor, as Bill Dolman has a map in his room, in the map room of, <laughs> of all the conference realignment he predicted 15 years ago on Average Joe. You have an official statement from Brett McMurphy that the Big 12 is officially official, adding Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona, along with the buffs that happened earlier in the week, Pete Thamel of ESPN, uh, the Big Ten chancellors and presidents unanimously voting in Washington and Oregon. Get your fraternity pad already, Billy D. I said last week, did I not, 
that the Pac-12, whatever's left of it, needs to contact Craig Thompson, the former commissioner of the Mountain West, have him talk with Gloria Navarez, the new commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, and cobble together what remains of the Pac-12 ash heap. <laughs> and there is, there is an entity that many people don't know about, although the Nebraska men's gymnastics team has been part of the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation. Uh-huh. Right? Cobbles together these Olympic-type sports and club sports under this umbrella that nobody's ever heard of. I think it's time to give some credence to the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation with college football, basketball, and whatever is left. But I'm just telling you, I said this also a couple weeks ago, Oregon and Washington were conspicuously quiet, right? Florida State has been saber-rattling. Just like Missouri did back in 2010. You don't you don't get loud and get invited. And Nebraska played it cool, right? Remember? We'll have a history lesson later, boys and girls. But I, Washington and Oregon <laughs> had to have known that something was something was going to be there for them to be okay. And that they had agreed to take a lesser share, although 40 million is still significant. But they, they're taking that through the rest of the conference contract, right? It's not just a one-year thing. I no, it's think it's 40 for, million for, until 2030. So for eight years, right? The, yeah. seven, the seven years, eight billion is, is – but 40 is still two times what Apple was going to pay him. <laughs> 20 times more than uh, Apple was probably going to pay him, you know? <laughs> we'll charge, so, you, charge you the 30 cents up front. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I I think I think that Oregon and Washington have kind of always known that they were going to be okay because they just have not been doing what Missouri did in 2010, and 29, and that um, that Florida State is doing Clemson to a certain degree, and they found a nice safe place to go. I, I'm happy for Utah. Uh, they were so excited when they got to go to the the Pac-10 at the time, and you know they've done a great job. They've acclimated to big-time college sports up from the Mountain West. I mean, they've done a tremendous job, and they'll they'll find a nice home. And now BYU Utah becomes the marquee matchup on Thanksgiving weekend, by far in the big in the Big Twelve. And Arizona State, how is Arizona State and Arizona be separated? I, I don't I don't see how those two schools. I know they did it with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I don't see how that those two schools could be separated. So good on them. Hopefully, we're close to being done. Bill, it should be noted, Oregon officially in a tweet uh, saying big things ahead, announcing they will be joining the Big Ten effective August 2nd, 2024. So that is official. I think with that, we can expect that Washington will be official in the coming uh, minutes if it isn't official already. So uh, this is official now that Oregon and Washington will be joining the Big Ten, not just assumed. And Bill, I want to get your thoughts with this being official now. Who do you think the the big winner of the day is? Is it Oregon and Washington getting out of the Pac-12 and getting into the Big Ten? Is it the Big Ten being able to go to three time zones and potentially four time slots on a college football Saturday? Is it the the Big Ten baseball uh, for not being the the laughing stock of the country now and adding some West Coast teams? Who do you think the big winner of the day is? Football fans. Nebraska. Nebraska is the big winner of the day because they have been set in the Big Ten for now 10-plus years and have not had to worry about all the stuff that has been going on around college football, college sports forever. Nebraska should again, with all of this, celebrate the move that was made when it was made back in 29 and officially in 2010 that 
that was the the move that had to be made. Now, the Big 12 survived, no doubt, but it's going to survive to the tune of $31, $32 million for yep. TV. Nebraska is surviving in the new era of collegiate athletics at 60 to 70 or more million dollars per year. But who's who today in the immediacy, I, I think it has it has to be Oregon and Washington. They have built up their programs in, in, in totality, not just their football programs. But they've got good – they're good in other sports. Oregon certainly with deep roots in track and field. Uh, you know, Dane Altman with basketball has had some success with uh, – uh, you know, women's basketball program is okay. So I think Oregon and Washington with Kalen DeBoer with their football side, they need to improve in some areas. But all the investments that they have made to get on that big stage, I think that they are the big winners. What's this mean for Nebraska football? A lot of travel. <laughs> a lot of Husker fans on the West Coast are going to be happy because they can go see Nebraska. You know, you're if you're west of the Rocky Mountains, you are going to Eugene. You are going to Seattle. When we played in Seattle in 97, you know, that's supposed to be the loudest place to play in the entire country. We smoked them 27 to 14 in Scott Frost's greatest game, uh, I think. And uh, we were supposed to lose, but Husker fans were there for that. They're going to go to L.A. They're going to, you know, for all those games down there. Um, but it's, you know, and it's, I think it's going to help Nebraska recruiting a little bit more out west. Um, but, you know, the one thing it's not fair to uh, is, uh, you know, the athletes outside of football and that the travel is going to be pretty rough. Mm. Bill, Bill Dolman with us at Bill Dolman on Twitter is where you find him. And let's speak to this Big Ten flex and this arms race between the Big Ten and the SEC. How do you feel or believe the SEC responds and with who? And we're going to zoom out. I know we're celebrating Washington and Oregon today, but can Miami or North Carolina and Notre Dame be next on the hit list for the Big Ten? Uh, well, I, I think I think yeah, the SEC reaches out to uh, to Florida State and says, "Sweethearts, quiet, baby, <laughs> come on, come on, be quiet." Um, <laughs> I, I think that, look, enough's enough. Okay, Florida State, we hear you. Florida doesn't want you in the league. South Carolina doesn't want you in uh, Clemson in the league, but eventually, you know, just like A and M couldn't keep Texas out of the SEC, uh, I, I would think that there's probably a, a move that the SEC will make. Look, remember a long time ago we talked about you know the the ESPN, Fox, the Big Ten, and the SEC sitting around a card table, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like, do you want to go or do you want to go next? And it was so now now it's to the SEC. Now it's Greg Sankey and Garth Glissman at the SEC thinking, okay, it's our turn. Um, what, what should we do here? ESPN, who do you think we should go? Because Big Ten and Fox have made their move. So now it's up to these two at this card table. Well, everybody else is at the kids' table at Thanksgiving, hoping that somebody will give them a really big helping of mac and cheese. So I think the SEC makes the move, and maybe they look to Florida State. I think they're going to look to Clemson. Maybe I think the most coveted schools probably now are North Carolina and maybe Virginia. And I think the I wouldn't be surprised if the Big Ten has their eye on that. And Notre Dame will hold out as long as it possibly can and then pick a place that they can go and think that they can win. And that may not be the Big Ten. They may go to the Big 12. 
Bill, do you think that the SEC feels like they've fallen behind the Big Ten after today's news? It was the SEC being the leader in the arms race in college football for probably the past 15, if not 20 years. Do you think that the Big Ten jumped the SEC with this news today just in terms of the premier conference in college football? No, no. They're never going to cede, you know, the power position that they think that you gotta, they have. you start beating them. <laughs> Again, I, I, look, I, I don't know this, but I really would not doubt if there's some type of understanding between these two conferences that, okay, you make a move, we'll make a move, we're going to figure this all out. And you, Chris, you're right. We talked about this literally 20, 19 years ago on the Average Joe Sports Show. We're talking with Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. When he took our phone said, calls. We <laughs> said there's going to be a 64-team power uh, elite group of college football teams. He said we were crazy. But we said 64 teams will be the major players in college football one day. And here we are. So it's up to the SEC now to figure out what makes sense with them. ESPN, you know, is for whatever it needs to do to, uh, to make sure that it salvages subscribers from 100 million down to 70 or 50 million. They've got to make sure that they got people subscribing so I, I think they're the ones who make the move next. And is it Virginia? Is it North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson? Something give like give me Miami and Notre Dame. That'd be fun. Private schools, AAU members, and then you are <laughs> truly coast to coast. And for, for fun, you can get Virginia and Carolina. It's zero love between, uh, you know. No, I know. I, I want one of those T-shirts. You just play the 30 for 30, you know, the day before uh, Thanksgiving and tell them that you guys got to play the next day. Catholics you versus know? the convicts T-shirts. Those are vintage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be fun. Whoever whoever can, you know, get them. back. Notre Dame is going to hold out as long as it possibly can. And you know what we're going to end up having, guys? We're going to go back to 18 conferences. You know, mm. within these power, these aren't conferences anymore, Big Ten and the SEC. Those are leagues. Okay. So okay. you're, you're in the league, league, and now you're going to be in a pod, which is your conference, which is your AFC West, Elijah. Division, okay. Yeah, your division. Okay. You're going to have five or, you know, six to eight teams in divisions or conferences within the Big Ten league, the SEC league, and it's going to be structured just like it is in the NFL. So you're going to have teams that you might, you know, you're going to play every year, not just your rivalry game, but you'll probably have something because they've got to figure out a way to make those conference schedules make sense. Do you go to 10 games, 10 league games, your one by okay. your one by game and then your your non-conference being an SEC or a Big 12 team and then you load up for a 10 game conference schedule? Okay, maybe, but then how many games do you have in the regular season? I think you, you stay at 12, don't I, you? I think you eventually, eventually, with if you follow the money, I think the TV partners are going to force you to go 14. Okay, I, but who's going to want the money, right? If Let's say that, okay, here's another thing. Is the money going to be there in 2032? That's a great is question. the money going to be there in 36 or whenever the ACC is done? That's another issue. Right now we're paying these unbelievable amounts of money out to conferences. But you're looking around, and with the completely complete change of the way people get consume their media and television subscriptions and whatnot, are they going to be able to afford then? Who knows? But if you start throwing these huge numbers around, I keep saying this, and you're going to say, okay, athletes, all athletes, 
you're going to have to play 14 games, 15 games, 16 games. Volleyball players, you got to play from coast to coast. You've got a doubleheader in L.A. and Rutgers or whatever. Somebody's going to say, we got to protect the athletes. Sure. We're going to look out for them. And all of a sudden, you're going to get into the legalities of union. You're going to look at the legalities of do we make them uh, university employees? The NCAA comes down today out of, no, you know, we got new NIL legislation. Okay, you're about two years, 20 years too late. <laughs> I mean, where's the NCAA been at all in this? There is nobody supervising these power brokers in college football. And because they're making all the decisions, all these other athletes in sports are being left to go, okay, we got to acclimate, you know, because a lot of money's coming in. So we got to do our part. But somebody's going to say, we're going to look out for the athletes here. And we know we got NIL, but the NCAA is so far late and so toothless with college football that there's no way they can control it. And Bill, with the NCAA losing control over college football, what's the end game here? Is it a Big Ten SEC merger a la the AFL and NFL back in the 60s? What's the end game? It could be the average Joe sports show league of 64. <laughs> right? Give me a name I and write. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that as, as nice a job as the Big 12 has done. And I think we have to admit that that's going to be a really nice league to watch some good, fun games, but the tradition and the powers in the SEC and the Big Ten Conference. But the Big, Big 12 is going to give us good product. And for that one month of the year when people care about college basketball, you know, March is going to be great with the Big 12. Uh, but what's left with everybody else, you know, it, I don't know what the end game is, but people may just go, you know what, this is – I'm just going to root for my little Division Two team down the block. It's cheaper to get in. It's like, you know, it's like when they put those independent league teams, like the Kansas City Monarchs, they put them in a major league facility or a major league city like the Kansas City Royals, and I can take my team, my, my, my family of four, to a baseball game for 50 bucks a night, and we're just going to enjoy ourselves. You know, and I think maybe fans are going to go, you know, I can't follow all this anymore. My team's having a good year going nine and seven, you know, and – uh, it's it's just going to be where I think the end game for people are going to go, you know what, what just makes sense affordably for my loyalty. And Bill, people in Nebraska will always be passionate. There's no question, but nobody else has Nebraska's fan base. Billy D, this was good. This was good to get uh, caught up on expansion. You've got uh, opportunities for all the Californians for Nebraska, all the folks on the West Coast with Oregon, Washington, great history with a lot of home and homes with Washington for sure. Same with UCLA. And uh, the league grows. The payday's been there and stays there for Nebraska and uh, Oregon and Washington. Got uh, got the hookup as well. We'll see if it keeps on. We'll get a we'll get a get us this weekend. All right. Deal. All right. There he is. Pride of Fairbury. No big red. Bill Dolman joins us. Brady Altman standing by. We'll check in on some Husker ball with him next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. More on realignment and expansion from the Husker angle. We welcome in Brady Altman's at Brady Altman's on Twitter. And uh, be sure to follow Brady along with great commentary and obviously the effect Nebraska will have with this and uh, the matchups that folks want to see in college football, volleyball, baseball basketball and beyond brady what's up man you uh been busy today yeah what's uh what's going on for you guys anything happening in your in your lives lately yep uh two more two new neighbors two good looking neighbors and um 
<laughs> Nebraska able to uh, to smile and, as Dolman put it, just sit back and relax, count their money. Been counting their money. Any word from Nebraska brass yet? Either Coach Rule or Trev or uh, or Teddy Ballgame. Uh, I haven't received anything yet. Uh, as of now, uh, there's been no official statement by Matt Rule or Trev Alberts and Ted Carter, who serves, uh, represents Nebraska on the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors as of the, the region's vote back in June. Um, so he voted, he would have voted to approve Oregon and, and, or Oregon and Washington's induction into the Big Ten. His office has not returned comment to me yet as of this time, but um I'm sure with uh, with Husker football practice going on tomorrow, Matt Rule will be asked about it, and I'm sure that there's no uh, there's no shortage of things that he'll he'll be excited about uh, from that angle. Um, it it gives them plenty of opportunities, and that's what he's big on is is opportunity of play in the game. Brady, I asked the same question to Bill, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Who do you think that the big winner of the day is today? There's a lot of options. There's the the Big Ten with what they add in football. There's the TV partners of the Big Ten with what they can potentially add in terms of revenue. You have Oregon and Washington. And finally, last one I added is, is Big Ten baseball as a whole. It just got a lot better with the addition of uh, four teams, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. Who do you think the big winner of the day today is with this news? Um, I think – I mean, it's multiple prongs. I thought my initial reaction was uh, baseball, volleyball, softball, all those, you know, all of those sports, the Big Ten just bolstered its, its you know, notoriety. And obviously football is the big driver, but you have it, – it all goes beyond all of this. An effective August 2nd, 2024, Oregon and Washington will become full-fledged all-sports members of the Big Ten – uh, obviously, it helps them both. They'll take partial revenue shares at first, and then they'll be full-fledged uh, Big Ten media rights members at you know on their next media rights deal. And I will say, I just got a statement yep. from Nebraska that today marks an exciting moment in the history of the Big Ten Conference and the University of Nebraska. The landscape of college athletics continues to quickly evolve, and adding Oregon and Washington further establishes the Big Ten as the preeminent conference in the country. Uh, these are two great institutions with highly recon- recognizable brands that expands the conference footprint to the Pacific Northwest. Nebraska has a large alumni base on the West Coast and the region of the country to watch the Huskers compete on a more regular basis. So it, it goes on to obviously welcome them and, and speak highly of, of what the two respected institutions create within the Big Ten. So, um, And that comes obviously joint signed by Ted Carter, the new chancellor, Dr. Rodney Bennett, and the Trev Alberts, uh, vice chancellor and athletics director. So big day, uh, and it seems like every moment, every minute, there's something new coming out of it. So there's a lot of winners, Elijah, I'll put it that way. Brady, uh, a thought with uh, Nebraska as we dial back from expansion to the week that's been, and uh, things kind of started off with the, the Miles Farmer news. Nebraska's continued to grind away with camp. Lots of good insight from assistant coaches, coordinators specifically, and then players. And, and what is, I guess, your question mark after week one, or what, what did you take away that I that impressed you most after week one from hearing from who we've heard from. That's defensive line. That's some linebackers. That's uh, wideouts. Uh, that's coordinators. That is guys that have reshaped their body. I mean, it's been a, a really good line of folks to talk about how things have kicked off. 
Well, there's a, there's a couple that come to mind right away. Uh, the defensive line, just the way that they look. I mean, a commonality that we've heard so far is the strength and conditioning staff, uh, the, uh, the impact they've had on everybody. But when you talk about the defensive line in particular, they look stronger, more agile. They're not as, as bulky. Their mobility, that transfers over to the offensive line as well. But specifically, you know, Nash, um, Ty, Raquan Buckley, we heard from him, Blaze Gunderson, all of them spoke very highly. And um, the Terrence Knightman, uh, Coach Tony White, both of them have high thing, high compliments, big things to say about that defensive line. And I am uh, wrote about this. It'll be tomorrow on Hale Varsity. But uh, one thing Marcus Satterfield did was he challenged, and the coaching staff challenged Jeff Sims this summer to make this football team be, take, take ownership of it. Like if you're going to be the quarterback in his huddle, and Marcus Satterfield is a on a crusade for the huddle, you got to have the the quarterback take leadership of that room. And Jeff Sims feels like he's done that, and in no uncertain terms, he is Nebraska's starting quarterback right now. There's no competition to be had. And hearing him work with the receivers, the receivers hit him up to take extra reps, to work outside of practice, to catch balls, to to build a relationship, you know, between him. Billy Kemp, Marcus Washington, and Xavier Bett specifically, uh, those things stand out to me. So I give you one on defense, one on offense, if, if that helps you out any. Brady Oltman's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Brady, as we discuss the first week of camp, let's combine the last two talking points with camp and with, with conference realignment, the Big Ten expanding. Do you think the importance of this upcoming season for Nebraska just got cranked up to 11 with the, the importance of getting something rolling before four new teams, potentially even more join the conference next season with how much more difficult the conference slate is set to become. Um, this might sound like a cop out, Elijah, but I'll work my way up to it. Okay. <laughs> um, basic, basically talking with other coaches within the big 10 conference. Um, people don't know what to think about Nebraska. Now they didn't have the big turnover within the portal, like say a Colorado did, or other, you know, other teams, they didn't hit the portal as heavily. They built a big freshman class. Their class of 2023 is, is big and full of athletes, but nobody knows how many of them are going to contribute right away. And people are just kind of unknown what to think about Nebraska this season. I think it is important for them to get the ball rolling and show that proof of concept that they can do something. But where other coaches, I'll, I'll put it this way, where other coaches take notice of Nebraska is 2024-2025 when UCLA, USD, Oregon, and Washington are now part of the conference. Even other coaches take note of Matt Rule's ability and what he's done, how quickly he gets teams moving, and considering Nebraska's resources compared to where Temple and Baylor were before, they are all incredibly bullish. I can tell you firsthand from hearing them speak, they're all incredibly bullish on what Nebraska could be and fear they will be in 2024, 2025. So I, I do think that there's a certain, an extra onus on getting some sort of something out of this upcoming season, but for all intents and purposes, coaches are, are ready to throw out this season because they're preparing for the next couple of seasons under Matt rule. Brady, what's happening with Nebraska on the recruiting front? Well, they're, they're really building for 2025. Um, you've, they've, they're still going to recruit 2024 heavily. Uh, if they have any big time, big time guys come forward, like Jay Sean Ross, apparently, uh, you know, the big guy from Liberty North in Kansas city, there's been some shift in the waves and he's, 
I've heard today that he is kind of turning favor and is giving Nebraska a lot more looks than he probably was a couple of weeks ago. That's big news. I mean, he's a really talented edge rusher, quality athlete from Kansas City. If Nebraska can lock him down, I think this is this is the moment where Nebraska kind of regroups in this dead period, focuses on getting some of those premium four-star guys, three-star guys that, that can see the proof of concept on the field, close them for 2024, while also building relationships for 2025 kids because they – I mean, they're they're trying to get up like a rocket on 2025, and with two big in-state targets and commits already, uh, they feel pretty good about the foundation and where they're at timing-wise right now. Brady, what can you tell us about Brandon Baker? I know he uh, locked in an official visit with Nebraska that weekend of the Northern Illinois game, obviously the home opener for Nebraska. What can you tell me about the recruitment of Brandon Baker? I know it's an uphill battle for Nebraska, especially against new conference foe Oregon. What, where is that recruitment trending, and how do you feel about Nebraska now that they've locked in that official visit for the fall? Well, anytime they lock in an official visit, you have to feel good about it, especially if game day visit. I mean, I, like all of these recruits, they just seeing – I think I say this every time we talk about this, guys, but seeing a Husker game in Memorial Stadium is almost an irreplicable thing. Mm. Very few programs even come close to that atmosphere – packing it in and the, the game day feeling of that. I think that's a big selling point, especially for a kid like Brandon Baker, who's been to Nebraska before he's visited. He knows what the coaching staff is like. He knows their energy, their relationships. He also knows the history of the offensive line at Nebraska. And that really appeals to him to see firsthand that fan interaction. And then again, to see the proof of concept, to see the offensive line cohesion, and then to see how offensive linemen work in a game setting it could go a long ways. Uh, I'm, I'm not bound to say that he's a lock-in for Nebraska by any means. That's certainly a, a tall hill to climb when you're going up against the Oregons and the, the Alabamas and the, the Georgias and the big-time programs like that. But as, as long as Nebraska's in the mix right there and still getting official visits at, at that point – you, you can't really scoff at Nebraska's chances to land a guy like that. Well, you're now playing and recruiting against a team in your conference. <laughs> I was I was going to say, uh, historic uh, perennial Big Ten power Oregon. Oregon, right, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this news just in from Adam Rittenberg and Matt Fortuna. Uh, they are reporting the Big Ten members, Oregon and Washington, going to enter the league at a reduced revenue share of around $30 million. Wow. 50% under, honestly. If it's that $30 million? Well, the, the take-home is 70 per Big Ten team right now. Yes, yeah, so that's under 50%. Yeah, and they're going to increase by a million each year during the current media rights deal. And it's seven years, $8 billion, right? So the most they'll max out at is at $37 million. Wow, that's a discount. Well, it's still $17 million more than Apple was going to pay you. Mm-hmm. But Brady, I mean, think yeah, about it, like man. The- we're going to have to pace ourselves if, if there's a, an off-Nebraska week and we, we kick off with the 11 a.m. and we got to make it and stay upright till 1 a.m. with the uh, Big Ten after dark. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and like uh, the, the Oregon president said, they take that reduced share. <laughs> they're they're going to take that reduced share, but then they will be full, you know, full-fledged. Uh, they'll get the full payout on the next Big Ten uh, media rights deal, which from everything that I've heard today – is they should they should start negotiating that three to four years from now based on uh, it, it could be expedited now with the official vote but three to four years is what they're looking at for when they actually go back to the bargaining table and get that going so is it man it's it's a lot of numbers is it eight billion is it ten billion the next round is it 
lower than that. Should be something I just thought about. Reaction show starting at 1 a.m.? No. Oh, it's going to happen. We'll talk to you in the morning. <laughs> Brady, we'll talk to you this weekend over a cold one, all right? Well, I appreciate it, fellas. Thanks for having me. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Busy day talking Big Ten expansion. Nebraska's some new West Coast neighbors, not just La La Land anymore. Big thanks to our, our team for joining us, of course, Bill Dolman and uh, Brady Oltmans and Jacob Bedilla. Going to talk a little golf here. Quick tweet from Steve. Adding these four schools from the West Coast, probably going to help the nighttime time slot in November. If you've got some of the old guard of the Big Ten stomping about November night game kickoffs, you can just head on out west and do it that way. A fun 9 p.m. <laughs> well, uh, not 9 p.m., though, for... Uh, for the West Coasters. Yeah, could no. be. Could be a, an 8 o'clock local start for them. Uh, let's switch gears. Pinnacle Bank Championship is next week. Indian Creek going to be incredible. Just a, a gem of an event. And we welcome in Brett Valick joining us here at Hale Varsity Radio. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. How's your day? Everything's going great. Thanks so much for having us. Well, appreciate your time. And, and let's talk a little bit here about uh, this year's event. But before we, we dive into all of that, let's talk a little bit here about Pinnacle Bank Championship and some of the, the charitable acts, aspects that have been ongoing. I know that's a big priority. Yeah, it's, it's very important to, to Pinnacle Bank, the charity aspect. Um, we've given a lot of money back over the years, uh, 620000 over the uh, six years we've had the event. And we did about 160,000 uh, last year, and we'd love to get a lot of people out here to support the tournament, the community, and, and give back to the community. It's, it's very important, Pinnacle Bank, and uh, something we love doing. So, can log on PinnacleBankChampionship.com, get your tickets, and uh, get locked in there. As you've got uh, the uh, Sandhills Global Pro Am that gets going Monday, and then practice rounds begin Tuesday. Another pro-am on Wednesday, and then the tournament first round starts Thursday out at Indian Creek, of course, in Omaha. And tell me a little bit about uh, the, the field and, and some of the, the players in this, this year's event. Yeah, um, you know, we always, we always get a really strong field. Primarily, the, the guys really love the golf course. Um, they have to use every club in their bag. It, it plays about 7,800 yards, which is long. Uh, the fairways are a little bit soft right now, so it's going to play even longer, but it's a great layout. Uh, tough off the tee, um, difficult green complexes, and it's always a favorite stop uh, of these guys on the corn ferry. Plus, we're getting late in the year, so guys are really fighting to get their cards. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a battle. Uh, the golf course looks really awesome. Uh, Jim Nedder and his staff out here at Indian Creek do an amazing job, and they've taken on a lot of rain, and it's still – Still looks phenomenal, so we're really excited to get started uh, next Thursday. Tell me what kind of challenge that Indian Creek is going to provide for the golfers next week. Obviously, every golf course is different in its own way, and uh, Pinnacle Bank, a mainstay here in Nebraska. For those out there who haven't seen, haven't gotten a chance to, to make it up to Omaha for the championship, what kind of challenge is it going to be presented to the golfers next week? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the length stands out, but really for these guys, um, that's not a huge deal. But the rough is going to be a challenge. I mean, the rough hopefully will have it to about six inches by Sunday. Um, so you're going to want to hit a lot of fairways, a lot of greens. And then, like I said before, the green complexes are challenging, difficult to read. They're, they're in perfect condition. They're going to roll smooth. 
and uh, whoever kind of makes the putts coming down the stretch um, is going to be the champion. I think, you know, we historically have had um, our winning total has been, you know, 10, 12, 15 under, and, and the guys like that. They like coming to a tournament where it's not going to be a, a pitch and putt where, you know, 25, 28 under wins. So I would say, you know, if I had to predict right now, I'd say somewhere 15, 16 under is going to be right in it to win. Brett Ballack with us as we talk Pinnacle Bank Championship, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, awesome event, annual event, Indian Creek in Omaha. And, Brett, uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, the, the, the clubs in the bag that, you, that you mentioned, uh, where do you kind of sit and stand with what part of the game is most important? Is it putting uh, for, for this or is it off the tee? I mean, if you had to circle one part of your game that is most important this next week, what would you circle? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, right now the way the golf course is is set up, I'm going to say uh, accuracy off the tee because if you're in the rough, I mean, there's going to be some of the, you know, par fours that are over 500 yards that mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to get to the green too. So hitting fairways and hitting greens is going to be huge and – uh like I said, the greens are absolutely perfect. Um, it's going to be an awesome week. But I, I, would, I definitely say off the tee is going to be the key right now. It's Brett Ballack with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, talking the Pinnacle Bank Championships next week at Indian Creek Golf Course. And you can actually come see Schmidt and myself out there uh, for the uh, event at the 17th Green as uh, we'll be out there doing some live shows. And Brett, tell us a little bit about the field. Uh, who's going to be golfing next week? Who are some names to watch out for? Maybe some of the local flair that's going to be on display as well for the, the people who are heading up and checking out the event. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, we have, actually have six guys from Nebraska in the field this year, which is the most we ever, ever had. Uh, it's a great mix of, of kind of some new guys and some veterans. We've got, you know, Scott Gachewski pretty much has his, his card locked up, and I know he's going to want to want to solidify that here on a, on a course that he's very familiar with. Brandon Crick is right in the mix. Uh, Brandon played at Nebraska and has been a long-time Corn Ferry guy. Um, Nate Vance out of Lincoln um, is doing a great job. He was our the winner of our Monday close qualifier. Uh, we've got Noah Hoffman, Carson Shockey, and then also Luke Kluber, who won the uh, Indian Creek Invitational. And Luke is still a collegiate player at Oklahoma. So it's a, a really nice mix of, of youth and experience and uh Love to get a lot of people out here to watch these guys. Um, you know, we're one of the top attended events on the Corn Ferry event. Um, have been right at 50,000 total attendance. We want to kind of break the door down there and, and really get a lot of people out to watch some great golf, especially with the, the Nebraska flavor that we have here next week. Brett, tell the, the listeners and viewers here just what a experience is like at a pro golf event. I mean, folks have watched it. For years on TV, some folks have attended it clearly up in Omaha over the years. But if someone's trying to make that decision, do I take the family up to Omaha next week? What are they going to experience? Yeah, well, it's, it's a, an easy golf course to walk. Um, we've got several fan-friendly areas on grounds where you can you know, get concessions and, and food. Um, I just think, you know, this, this tour has got all the best up-and-coming players, and it's just very exciting. Like I said, we've got a lot of young guys that have come off PGA Tour U um, that are, you know, a couple of them have already got their cars locked up. We've got a lot of veterans that are, you know, kind of at, at the back end and they want to make another run at the PGA Tour. And, you know, just as an example, the last four years we had, uh, we've had we had Scotty Scheffler, who's number one in the world, played here. 
uh, Will of Alatoris, Xander Shockley, and uh, Wyndham Clark, who's your current U.S. Open champion. You know, they've all played here in the last four years. So for me, it's exciting to try and, you know, identify and see who that next great player is and is going to break through and, and win a major. So they're definitely here at this level and, and come on out, watch some great young and, and experienced talent. Uh, it's a great golf course, and uh, I think it's going to be a phenomenal week. A lot of future stars. Brett Ballack with us, Pinnacle Bank Championship. Uh, log on, PinnacleBankChampionship.com. Get up to Omaha next week, Indian Creek. It's amazing, and uh, we're blessed to have it in the state of Nebraska. Brett, thank you for your time today. Appreciate you jumping on. Okay, thanks so much for having me. Take care. There is Brett Ballack with us here on Hale Varsity. It's uh, going to be awesome to be up there Tuesday through Friday next week, Indian Creek, and just incredible. And he laid out the guys that – have come through there, and there's more stars to be had for sure. We'll wind down a busy Friday. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Download the segment you want to hear or the whole bleeping thing can check out the YouTube channel as well with Hale Varsity, the video version, and uh, can rewatch the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Thanks so much to Bill Dolman, Brady Oltmans, Jacob Padilla, and uh, of course, uh, Brett Ballack with the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Roadies for us uh, next week, Thursday. Check that Tuesday through Friday as we'll be up at the Pinnacle Bank Championships. Want to see you out there, get a ticket up there. And enjoy, man. Just a great beer garden, fun for the family as well, and amazing, amazing golf. Some emails uh, we'll try and carry over tomorrow. The weekend edition gets going at 7.45 tomorrow morning. I kind of say that with a grin. Uh, I'm planning on it. Elijah, are you good with 7.45? I mean, yeah, I am every single week, aren't I? I? Yeah. (laughs) We'll load up on the coffee, get it rolling and, uh, of course, Matt Rule speaks tomorrow uh, to the media, which is great. Going to get a recap. Big Ten, uh, the the Sprinter Van, no longer the bus tour, the Sprinter Van tour in Lincoln today. So we'll see if we can't run down Coach DiNardo next week. And also our friend Brock Eward, longtime Washington Husky, uh, now uh, part of the same league together. Reminder to get your seatbelt on. One of three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office? And, you know, great input by so many. Matt, Steve, crew, and all the other folks who've jumped into the stream. That's a great way to get in contact with us. I like what Steve says here. Try and schedule a non-conference game against somebody from Texas to keep that pipeline going. You got enough Texas flavor on staff or with past relationships, you'll have that door open. California has always been very, very good to Nebraska and the West Coast going to be even uh, that much better. Uh, <laughs> Joe Wilkes, he's out. In Oregon. We talked to him this week. Out in Big Ten country. He's out in Big Ten country now. (laughs) What's happening with Bill Walton right now? Has he had to turn on Ripple on just repeat, Grateful Dead reference, and play the hell out of that today to drown his tears? 
Maybe Bill Walton will be with the Big Ten Network. Oh, that'd be interesting. I doubt it. For hoops. He can do games out there. Oh, that'd be fun, wouldn't it be? Yeah. He's one of the best. I love him. I, I love Big Bill. He's the, the, the Big Red, the other Big Red. But no, Bill Walton's, we can now adopt him. That still feels wrong to say. Forever, it was Conference of Champions. Throw it down, big man. That was awful. Sorry. I can't do Bill Walton. I think you need some, some more mind-altering drugs to get to that point. <laughs> you want a good Bill Walton. I, I, you have to I, get in the same mental state as him. <laughs> again, back to the ghost pepper. <laughs> if I do it enough, my nose will start running and I'll sinus up a little bit. But be sure to get the podcast. Uh, we'll check in tomorrow with our bro, with our bro Sharpie. Brandon Vogel going to join us. And uh, Mark Cranach. Cranach's been to Oregon. Cranach's been to Seattle. He's our authority. <laughs> He's our authority on, on these Big Ten West Coast tours. <laughs> there you have it. Never a dull day. No, there is not. Oh, yeah. And, and we're under 20 days, 20, under, under 30 days till kickoff. So uh, football to get into. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.